1: HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.
0: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George
2: Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So during the commercial breaks, uh, when I'm not uh, taking notes on our beloved sponsors and their phone numbers and contact information, I've been listening to the Supreme Court oral arguments, which are fascinating, and also keeping an eye on the email. And it struck me that a number of you fine folks uh, heard some of our rants about Doctor Oz, who is inexplicably running for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, Doctor Oz, Doctor Oz, let me think about him and his career. Mm. <laughs> Ah, yes. And they've heard us railing ah, about the quack. <laughs> and, and they're asking, guys, what is it? Uh, what do you have against Dr. Oz? What are you talking about? Because they just know of him generally. As the beloved go to guy, network news asks about health stuff or whatever. And, and we could rant and rave, but I thought um, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert's uh, Dr. Oz thing was pretty dang funny. Go ahead and, and roll that, Michael.
0: Dr. Oz will be running for Senate. In Pennsylvania. Turns out, turns out running for Senate is the one weird trick to reduce belly fat. <laughs> now, this is Dr. Oz's first time running for office, so he's staying humble with his promises. As it says on his campaign website, Dr. Oz is fundamentally promising to help relight the divine spark inside every American. <laughs> I'd settle for cheaper gas, but sure. Doc, check the pilot light on my divine spark, just like they taught you at med school. (laughs) Now, before his run, Dr. Oz had a lucrative career as a liar peddling questionable health advice on TV. Like saying coffee bean pills can help treat weight loss, raspberry ketone will burn fat, and astrological signs may reveal a great deal about your health. Sure. Who doesn't love it when the doctor says, "Uh, Mr. Johnson, you have cancer as your star sign, which means (laughs) an office friendship could turn to romance. But Dr. Oz may not just have fake medical claims. He may have fake Pennsylvania claims because he's running there despite living in New Jersey for years. And there's a big difference between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Something to do with hoagies. I don't know what it is, but they will murder you over it. Yeah, long
2: story short, he's been making millions of dollars selling snake oil to the gullible for years. We've also interacted with him personally, and he and his staff were just a-holes. And, you know, I I am am generous-spirited and tend to forgiveness. Jack holds on to animosity for a lifetime. So uh, in solidarity with Jack, I still hate Dr. Oz, too. He could not have been a bigger piece of crap.
3: No, no, he's the worst in-person person we've ever met. Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. He tried to steamroll us and our entire staff, take over the show. He was sending our staffers
2: out of their their rooms, like out of the studio, saying, "All right, you get out. Uh, we need our staffer in."
3: We're like, whoa, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Yeah, we kicked him out. We sent him packing. Yeah. Screw yeah. him. F him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy's a quack. I'm so, <coughs> <and> a thief, <coughs> but he. Is he going to get the stamp of the approval? I don't know. He was on Hannity last night. He might get the stamp of approval as the guy, and then you know, you're know you on the right team, and he'll get a lot of support. So we'll see how that turns out.
2: Yeah, I suppose so. He's a quack.
3: Uh... Clarence Thomas just asked a question. It's a rarity. Didn't he go like 10 years or something like that without asking a single question?
2: Yeah, it was an extraordinarily long time. But the, in recent years, he's, he's, he's tossed him out
3: now and again. Yeah, like two a year, which is you know for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Shut up already. Jeez, yeah. let somebody else talk. Uh, the, the abortion uh, case is going on. Justice Clarence Thomas asked whether there's a constitutional right to abortion, saying it's not spelled out that way the Second Amendment is. Wow. Oof.
2: The blunt, simple wisdom of Clarence yeah, Thomas.
3: Yeah, he just got to the very root of it. Is there a constitutional right to abortion? Certainly not spelled out. Make yeah. your
2: argument. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we'll see how this goes. You know, uh there was something else I wanted to talk about, but you know it's funny, Stephen Colbert's mention of cancer brought this to mind. Uh my uh my beloved dog, Baxy, Baxter, uh just got diagnosed with uh cancer. Really He's got a tumor in his chest, yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna go and get it on Wednesday, but uh because of the kind of cancer it is and where it is, it's almost impossible that they'll get it all. So they're gonna send it off to the lab and figure out how aggressive it is and the rest of it. But um you know, might be months. Might be years. It's hard to say. But, uh, yeah, so I'm worried about the lad. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, If you know dogs and you love dogs, you know that's a possibility. We knew it when we adopted him. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he's nine now. Nine going on. Yeah, yeah, he's nine and a half, uh, which is way, way too young. But so, you know, if I mention if if I bring it up, um, his recovery and and our concern about that's why. Um,
3: Cancer couldn't um, suck more.
2: It's, it's horrible and, and I'm sad about it because I'm going to miss him so much, uh, when inevitably he goes. Um, but at the same time, you know, Judy and I are kind of practical Midwestern folks and, and dogs are not humans. They're wonderful creatures. They're incredible creatures, but they're not humans. And I wouldn't want to compare it to, you know, you or your loved ones who are dealing with cancer either, but it's, you know, it's, it's sad and it's tough, but he's a good boy. So we're being, you know, extra indulgent, as you might guess. So, anyway, there that is. Uh, oh, the one thing I was going to bring up was uh, a piece in the Press Democrat, which I can't remember. One of our beloved listeners sent uh, this along, and they said, and keep in mind, this is a liberal newspaper. Well, I noticed that the uh, the, the piece was written by C.W. Uh, Nevius. I'm never sure if it's Nevius or Nevius, but I've been reading C.W. for years. He wrote for the Chronicle for a very long time, and he is absolutely kind of an island of common sense. In the wackadoodle Northern California media world. And his latest piece is The Lessons of Mob Smash and Grab. And he goes into, you know, the examples and the videos we've all seen. Uh, He mentions somewhat snarkily that clip played on the national networks a thousand times, probably 2,000 on Fox News. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Now what we have, I suppose, is the logical outgrowth of the "they're not going to do anything if we walk in and take stuff" mentality. Mobs
3: doing smash and grabs. Well, wait a second. I got to back up. I'm glad he's okay. talking about this, and uh, I like the Tony's going. But well, what's the Fox? The did, was that your comment or his comment about that was Fox? His comment. Fox showing it more times? Yeah, that's every outlet should be showing it all day long. It's crazy. It's insane. It's the breakdown of civilization. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, CW, I might argue back to you again with with the love and respect that you should have said run half as much on liberal networks or you could have just, you know, flip the coin. Uh, and then he goes into how uh, how uh, San Francisco now the Union Square Shopping District is now a city of plywood, plywood and bars over doors and all the windows are, are boarded over the rest of it. Stores paying $1,000 a day for an armed guard at the door. Armed guard got shot to death during, the other day guarding reporters.
3: During Christmas season, which if you've never been to San Francisco, downtown Union Square Christmas time, it's one of the best Christmas things in America. Oh, it's so festive. It's absolutely fantastic. And all the most expensive best stores are right around there. And they're all covered in plywood and bars. Yeah. yeah. Right now. Yep. That's got to be just horrifying to these owners.
2: So, quoting the piece, then, he says, shopping at Union Square is a huge draw for tourists. And it's worth pointing out that he's just writing about San Francisco. It's his hometown, his home area. But this is true of cities all across America. Uh, what would it mean to the number one driver of the local economy, tourism, if the stores cleared out? Think about that while the videos keep coming. The sight of looters running out of broken glass doors, arms full of swag, have become commonplace. Turns out that the business of theft plays pretty well. In fact, police officers say they're seeing something new in the illegal drug market. Career changes. Dealing drugs is an inherently dangerous way to make money, he goes into it. Far better, it appears, to steal stuff, particularly electronics, which can be converted to cash almost instantly. Some of the dealers are changing occupations from dealing to stealing. Wow. In California, it makes sense because of Prop 47. Passed in 2014. I can't believe it was that long ago. Many people have attempted to explain to me why Prop 47 does not encourage theft and crime, but I've never been convinced. Well, that's because, CW, you're a smart guy and not a stinking moron. (laughs) Or so ideological that it's blinded your common sense. The idea is, you probably remember, anybody caught with stolen property value less than $950 is charged with a misdemeanor, not a felony. The idea was to fix this three-strikes law where somebody stole something, it was their third strike, they're in jail for decades and decades. At least some of the supporters, though, of Prop 47, were under the impression that the crimes of repeat offenders could be bundled Together. So if I was caught multiple times, then the value of that stolen property would be more than 950 bucks, right? It's a felony. But the way the prop is written, each offense is treated separately. So, a former high ranking cop said this week, you could literally get caught stealing $949 worth of stuff every single day, and it never becomes a felony.
3: Wow. That's a good system.
2: It's become so crazy. Chase Bodine, the Marxist son of terrorists, DA of San Francisco County, is saying, stand by for felony charges for the smash and grabbers. Um, These are not petty thefts, he says. This is not misdemeanor conduct. This is felony conduct. Hallelujah. This brings up another problem, writes uh, Mr. Nevius Nevius, uh, that is likely to contribute to a rise in property crime. Yeah, absolutely it is. In an attempt to reduce priv- prison overcrowding, California enacted AB-109 in 2011. The idea was to take nonviolent, low-level low offenders out of the prison system into local county jails or probation. But the result has been drastically shorter incarceration terms. He goes into some detail. Now offenders may only serve what's called flash incarceration, 10 days or so. San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott has often talked about career criminals. This is their job, he points out. And he points out when serial thieves are taken off the street for a period of time, the downtick in crime is noticeable. But they have understood the pluses and minuses of the way they do business. They have incorporated the costs into their business model. These are dishonest people. They're predators, but they're not stupid. They understand the business they're in. And you, you voters, Not I know, not a lot of you. I know. Voters have fundamentally changed the costs of being a criminal. You have lowered them fundamentally. And here's your equal sign. That equals a lot more crime.
3: Duh. It's just shocking to me. I feel like maybe Pendulum is reaching the furthest point from the middle.
2: At the point that Chaso Bodine is talking about, these are felonies. I think the pendulum may be swinging back I at the point right. where Ted Weasel, mayor of Portland, says, "Look, we can't have the anarchy anymore." I think the pendulum's swinging back. I hope. I
3: hope. Seattle elected their first city council member as a Republican in thirty-five years. Right, right. So, we'll yep. see. Um, most expensive cities to live in. Uh, some more uh, comments out of the Supreme Court, looking at the abortion case, and a bunch of other things we can get to, and you can join in. Text line four one five two nine five.
4: Everyone's starting to decorate for the holidays, so the FAA is warning people not to shine laser light displays into the sky. <laughs> the pilots are actually fine with the lasers. It's the emotional support cats on board that go nuts. It's like... <laughs> emotional support cats happen?
3: on
2: board? I don't, think they don't,
3: I don't think they got those anymore. Oh, they don't? I don't know. I haven't flown in a while. I just saw something about having to be vaccinated to fly. Is that a thing? You have to be vaccinated to fly? I should know mm. this i should know this somebody no, google this alex google this Do you have to be vaccinated to fly because i'm going to be flying here in a couple weeks i don't Gosh. believe you have to be i think you just have to show a negative test for certain airlines
2: oh all oh, right so it's it's either you show your card or the negative test yeah i don't i don't know I don't think they're allowed to check that i think you know you can uh, you're not paid to think you're paid no. to research it <laughs> find out
3: <laughs> so Like the stupid home test that doesn't work? I can just show one of those? See one pink line, I'm fine. Let me on.
2: It's perfectly adequate. I have no COVID and I'm not pregnant.
3: Okay, well, I got my old one right here. I'll just bring that in. Perfect. (laughs) I took, I think, a total of six of those while I was in the midst of COVID throws and uh, never tested positive once on the home test. Nice test. Now that's a complaint. (laughs) Um, Speaking of COVID, I wasn't going to speak of this, but Brett Stevens has got a column in the New York Times Asking people to exhibit a little humility and end the blame games around the whole COVID 19 thing, making the point that we've made several times. The virus has hit red states and blue states, cities and rural areas, places with strict lockdown measures and high vaccination rates, and places without either one of those. It just has come and gone kind of the way it's going to do all over mm-hmm. the whole country. And I was thinking, Ed it has become uh you know, if you state something enough times, it just becomes like considered a, a regular truism a fact, and oftentimes these things are not facts, but I hear it stated as a true a truism all the time that Donald Trump so mishandled the early part of the pandemic, and so many people died because of it and I, i've heard 've heard people on the right say that it 's just you know it 's just a given uh, okay well, we now have more deaths in twenty one than we had in twenty. And you had the added benefit of a freaking vaccine and a lot more knowledge about the, the damn COVID now. Right. And we got more dead. So how can you make any claim based on numbers that Trump would have ended up with a better result had he done anything differently?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very thin reasoning indeed. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but uh, given that fact, and it's a fact, what Jack just said, let's air to the side of liberty. Huh?
3: Yeah. Um... Uh, oh, a bomb from World War II just went off in Munich and injured four people, one of them badly. Oh, no. At a construction site, one of those deals where they hit a uh, 75-year-old bomb, and it blew up. Every we're, once in a while, World War I bombs go off in Europe. Wow, I'm not mad at the Kaiser anymore. I wish that wouldn't happen. Um, here's a list of the world's most expensive cities to live. Oh, we're going to bring you up to date on the Jesse Smollett case. Yes. Which, again, if I'm him, I don't want this to go to trial. I settle any way I can so that people don't hear more about how stupid I am. Yeah, people have very serious looks on their face, but it's half a comedy, man, (laughs) at trial. What are the most expensive cities to live in right now? Uh, All kinds of different price indexes that they put together on what it costs to live there. So the only two in the United States are numbers nine and six on the top ten list of the most expensive cities. Uh, one market we are on in right now, Los Angeles. So, number 10, Osaka, Japan. Counting up to the most expensive city, Los Angeles. Copenhagen. Yeah, or Gen- Copenhagen, I think. Geneva. Uh, New York is six. Now it's all foreign mm. places. Hong Kong. Mm. Zurich is four. Singapore and Paris are tied for second most expensive places to live in the entire world. The most expensive place to live in the world, Tel Aviv, Israel. Really? Thought it was usually Tokyo back in the day. Tokyo's not even in the top ten. Osaka oh. is though. I
2: once uh, saw a picture of Zurich, Switzerland, and thought, "Oh my God, that's beautiful! I want to live there." And checked out in sh- uh, real estate prices. Said essentially, "Holy bleep! Whoopie, chickens
3: clubbing?" Exactly. I said that ain't happening. Why <laughs> that's a kick in the cuckoo? Huh? The jury has ruled Jesse Smollett is a moron. Is he on? Is he being charged with being a moron? It's a kind of fancy legaler terms for that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First uh, degree dunderpatedness. <laughs>
1: we'll review the latest. If you can't stay tuned, grab the podcast armstrongandgetty.com.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
5: At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
0: The Armstrong and
4: Getty Show. It has been incredibly painful as his family to watch someone you love be accused of something they did not do. All right. We're confident in his legal team. And we look forward to people hearing the actual facts in this case.
2: That would be one Jojo Smollett, brother of Jussie Smollett, talking about the trial. His brother is, uh, well, he's on trial currently for faking an attack upon himself perhaps you recall the story from a while back led to a uh, quite a fracas with the da of chicago and all sorts of stuff
3: he's a famous actor i guess this yeah. jesse smollett i never knew him then i don't know him now
2: but. actor singer he's on uh, empire right isn't that the name of the show i never mm-hmm. saw it but it was a big hit i sure. he does a good job in it but uh that's not an excuse for doing crimes
3: homosexual man i understand
2: Yeah, which factors into the story somewhat. You know, Matt Finn did a pretty good report on uh, Fox News. Bring us up to speed real quick. Let's do uh, clip number 60, Michael. The lead Chicago police detective in this case, he's revealing
6: the painstaking detail of CPD's Smollett investigation, testifying that Chicago police treated Smollett as a real hate crime victim, assigning more than 24 officers and detectives to the case, more than 3,000 police hours, scouring more than 1,500 hours of video, concluding that Smollett staged a hoax. The detective also testified that police followed hate crime protocol and asked Smollett for phone data, medical records, and a DNA cheek swab, but refused to give any.
2: If you've been on an unannounced mission to Mars for the last two years, we could tell you the actor Jussie Smollett claimed to have been attacked by two white men wearing MAGA hats in the wee hours in the bitter cold of a Chicago morning um, and that they doused him with lighter fluid or, or something and, and uh, tried to put a noose around his neck or put a noose around his neck. Bleach. Uh, bleach. Yeah, that's right. A horrific, uh, racist attack, except that it never happened according to the prosecutors and anybody with any sense.
3: Do we know why he did it? He just wanted attention. The theory was that it would really up his career. He'd get oh, a lot of attention. Oh, he'd be he'd the guy. He'd be the
2: victim, which is the highest
3: form of life in America. Right, and he survived an attack, and then he probably, like, give speeches at schools and stuff. You know, right, that's exactly, a, yeah, be
2: a uh, constant media uh, presence. Uh, 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 but as it turns out, he was indeed attacked not by white MAGA hat-wearing fellows, but two enormous Nigerian weightlifters who were friends of his, as Matt Finn uh, outlines in 61.
6: The prosecution says Smollett paid the Osendaro brothers to pretend to beat him by rope for a noose and red hats appearing as Donald Trump supporters. In court, the prosecution presenting a text message police discovered that Smollett sent to one of the Osendaro brothers before the alleged attack, reading, might need your help on the low. You are around to meet up and talk face to face. Smollett's defense team says the Osindaro brothers are sophisticated criminals who did not like Jesse Smollett.
2: Well, and so here's the defense, and I'll skip ahead to the punchline. If you're a smart lawyer and you've got a rich, dumb client, you can probably get a ton of money out of them if you work it right. So they have videotape of him meeting these gigantic Nigerian weightlifter brothers who are friends of his, at the very, like, the place where the alleged attack took place. And they're walking along, and he's pointing and whatever, and they're chatting, and, and then they have videotape of these guys buying the news, or the rope, buying the MAGA hats, the rest of it. And then, uh, so it's it's just obvious what happened, okay? Well, the defense is that, in spite of all that, and, and they haven't even attempted to explain the various videotapes yet. They've just said, no, 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 I had nothing to do with any of that these giant Nigerian friends of his decided they don't like Jussie Smollett because he's a gay feller. Mm. And look, look, here's a tweet where they use the uh, F-A-G uh, word like five years ago. And so they it's got nothing to do with a fake attack. They just attacked him because they figured out he was a gay feller. Okay, so they bought MAGA hats even though they're friends of yours, so you would think they were white guys? I, I'm sorry, I'm just not following this. <laughs> what was the plot exactly?
3: So since they got the receipts of the buying at the store and all that sort of stuff and the text messages and everything like that, how, how's his brother still going with the, it's tough to watch a family member falsely accused? You, well,
2: he's either a sucker. He believed his brother out of love or family yeah, loyalty, or he's true. just posturing like that, trying to you know get the jury on his side and then the public on his side.
3: Yeah, it's true. I mean, if your brother said, "No, look, I was attacked," you'd say, "Okay,
2: yeah, you'd go with it." Um, I, I, if you've seen pictures of the two weightlifter brothers, um, the Osendaros, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, they would have a tough time being perceived as white Trump fans. <laughs> Uh, so again, it's not clear to me exactly what the defense is going to do with all of that evidence, um, but uh, I, I just think lawyers said, "Oh, we can absolutely get you acquitted, Jussie. No worries." And they're they're milking them. Mm. Unimportant trial. It, no, it's it's not terribly important. Although it did, it was an intentional, self serving effort to whip up waste, race hatred in the United States for profit, which has become a fairly significant in- industry these The days.
3: fact that the sitting vice president weighed in on it with barely any information and called it a modern-day lynching and all that sort of stuff. Is yeah, yeah. Unfortunate. There's a concerning asteroid headed our way. Remember, uh, was it SMOD 2016, wasn't it? Wasn't that when SMOD was popular, the sweet meteor of death? Yeah, that's who people were voting for for president.
2: <laughs> people found the choice between Hillary and Donald J. Trump somewhat discouraging and, 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 and hoped for an asteroid impacting the earth and wiping out all life.
3: I think S.M.O.D. I actually think S.M.O.D. started earlier. I think it was when we all thought it was going to be a Jeb Bush Hillary Clinton. A mm. Bush Clinton. Are Kill you kidding me? me? <laughs> S.M.O.D. Right. Yeah, that well, could be. There's an asteroid headed our way, which is different than a meteor. It wouldn't make any difference if it hit you in the head. Um, NASA has warned that a giant asteroid bigger than the Eiffel Tower will break into Earth's orbit in just over a week. The 1,100-foot space rock is headed our way and should skim past us on December 11th. It's going to be close enough to make your hair mussed up. What?
2: Um, I mean, the Earth's orbit. Are we going to be, like, near that point in our orbit or, or what?
3: I'm confused.
2: Or was that like when Craig, the healthcare guru, and I were mountain biking on a trail and came back an hour and a half later and a giant tree had fallen on the trail? I mean, it could conceivably have hit us, but we weren't there.
3: I'm confused by this. It says the 1,082-foot space rock is... Headed our way, blah, blah, blah. Then in the next sentence, it says NASA has its eye on the asteroid because it's well over 492 feet long. You just said it was 1,082 feet long one sentence ago.
2: That's, well, that's over 490 feet. That's true. That's some good journalism right there. What, did I write this?
3: <laughs> How close is it going to come? Within six feet of you if you're staying in Texas. <laughs> so you might want to duck. Now it's going to come within four point six million miles of Earth, oh my which God, is considered duck, which is considered a near miss in the world of how big dang big space is. It's going to shoot past us at fourteen thousand seven hundred miles an hour. I'm more concerned with the fact that China is, according to
2: the uh, the head of the space force, China is attacking our satellites on a nearly daily basis with laser beams and other weapons.
3: Now that's a problem. It's an act of war. You know, uh, China's got that whole Belt and Road Initiative thing they're doing all over the world, and they're building ports all over the world in countries that didn't have hardly any ports at all. China's building ports that... Can uh, they build one in Long Beach that that functions a little more efficiently? (laughs) Uh, Not if the longshoremen are in charge. Uh Um, uh, But I was listening to a report on this, and the, 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 the scary part of this, the dealio, is, well, there's a couple of things. One, they build the giant port in whatever city. Um, a lot of them are in Africa. And uh, then they kind of got you because they built this whole thing, and they could shut it down any they want. And so they have a lot of a lot of say in what happens there. Don't uh, trust it's, China! It's their technology. They've got the on-off button.
2: Well, not only that, but they often say to, uh, you know, uh, made up a stand that, uh, the port will clearly bring you a billion dollars in revenue every year. Then when it turns out to bring a quarter of that, and yet these, uh, uh, the government of made is leveraged up to their ears to China, all of a sudden, a sudden China's got them by the, by the short hair.
3: Yeah, I was aware of that angle. I was not aware of this angle. Apparently, the ports are all being built in such a way that they can quickly be turned into a naval base. So they can all be turned into naval facilities. So, like, overnight, China has gotten naval bases all over the world. Xi Jinping is an actual evil genius. Yep. They are slowly and systematically working on taking over the world. And the world is kind of half paying attention, or doesn't believe it'll really happen, or
2: something. Just too busy, you know, watching garbage, or, yeah. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that uh, Judy, my my wife's dad, was a CB, uh, fought in World War II in Korea, uh, a rifle in one hand, shovel in the other, as they say. They built air bases and stuff like that. So China's just trying to preemptively you know, build their, their Midway Island base and, and everything else all over the world that they could quickly turn into
3: military base. Unbelievable. You know what it reminds me of is there was a great article over the weekend. I had the details I was going to get to, and I can't remember which times, Wall Street Journal, whatever. It was about how much time and effort the Taliban had put into taking over Afghanistan. Hmm. And it was the most thorough one of these articles I read so far. So for years... You're working in, uh, you know, whatever office you're working in in Kabul or whatever town. Guy works with you, Jim. Jim's a good dude, doesn't even have a beard. Regular guy, wears khaki pants and a shirt, and uh, his kid plays on my kid's soccer team. He's in the Taliban, hmm. and he's been working there for years. And then, and th- these guys shaved off their beards, got regular jobs, infiltrated every business, every government office, every everything, and kept it cool all these years. And then on the day that they needed to switch, they just kind of walked in and said, hey, Hey everybody. Um Jim and I and well it's probably not Jim, but you know, uh, the three of us were all in the Taliban. We've always been in the Taliban and this this office is now closed. And uh they're they're coming in and and that's how it that's how it happened the way it did so fast. This whole who could see it falling? Um or this office will be cooperating with the
2: Taliban if you don't like it we'll have a word back in the alley.
3: Schools, businesses, government offices, everything had Taliban members in it for years, pretending they weren't. And then in Kabul, for instance, they just all came out of hiding one day and said, "Okay, the city's surrounded. We're all with the Taliban. We're in charge now. They came back with guns in some of the bank facilities. They walked, Jim, why you got a gun? Uh, Because I'm actually with the Taliban, and now we're taking over the bank. That's how they did it and wow. they and they and they did it very in a very smart way over many many years that's what china's doing with the entire world wow it's like wow. it's like the the greatest version of the trojan horse ever
2: yeah the encouraging news is that perceptions of china in the western world
3: are plummeting good it should yeah i hope it's not too late yeah anyway interesting stuff we'll finish strong that's what we always do um uh, so stay here
5: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io/ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh my God. Dude, don't, don't, don't. Let me read the text, and there's a picture that accompanies it. Oh, no. (laughs) Hey, it's National Remind Everybody. I lost my thumb day today, precisely right now, as I listened live to Armstrong and Getty on 12 And he has a picture of his severed, bloody thumb. Oh, stop. I don't want to see it. That he apparently did on this day... (laughs) <laughs> Four years ago, while listening to the show. They reported she didn't have ah, thumbs. it, wow. he took a picture of it. Dude, i got to get Gee. that off my iPad. Oh, That's that didn't
2: auto-save, did it? That's rough. You'll be flipping through pictures of your boys someday, see a bloody thumb.
3: This is sick enough. Yikes. Sorry about your thumb.
2: Yikes. So I just came across uh, Hanson, uh, executive producer Hanson, um, just sent us this uh, review of the uh, Big Beatles documentary. The Beatles are overrated. That's their fault. That's I'm sorry. That's the opposite of what he said. The Beatles are overrated. That's our fault, not theirs. Hmm, that's it, pretty good. And it includes this sentence. Get back is interesting, irritating, sweet, stultifying, illuminating, punishing, satisfying, totally life-sucking, ultimately unnecessary, and still pretty cool.
3: I think that's a good <laughs> review of it, honestly. That's a lot of hours. What, what is the whole thing? Nine Mm, something like that. That's yeah, a little short sure of that. A, maybe but, it's a lot to ask out of someone.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I've I found it fascinating, but you know, I uh, you know, and I'm a big Beatles fan. I was a rock and roll guy, I write songs and stuff like that. So I just it's tough for me to understand how interesting it is for other people. You know, until I hear them say so. Um,
3: I I just I'm absolutely loving it. <sighs> is there an appeal outside of that? Mm, it would be tough. I mean, is it like a reality show? I mean, I you don't even know the four people that are living in a house on an M T V reality show, but if there's enough drama between them, people watch the, it.
2: There is a lot of good drama. There was one utterly unethical um, but fascinating uh, deal where the filmmakers stuck uh, Paul and John uh, uh, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, I, if I have to introduce the Beatles to you, to, tune out now. <laughs> Just tune out. <laughs> so Paul and John go to have a private lunch, and the filmmakers had stuck a mic in the flower pot, and it's them hashing out some of the dynamics that were making it so tense in the band. And and it's incredibly revealing, especially if you're a Beatles fan, and there's some really good human drama there, although I think you might need more context than you'd get just from Hmm. listening slash watching to the exchange. One of the more like universally applicable things that you could observe in it, and I'm not sure if you could sit through it if you weren't interested in the Beatles or a Beatles fan, is just the dynamics of a team working, and you see the people's, strengths, weaknesses, and insecurities being played out and sometimes get to the point where things go kerblewey. On a creative level, very briefly, because I don't want to bore anybody to death, as I am extremely familiar with the finished products, it was super interesting to me to see how many times the preliminary versions of the songs, the the preliminary arrangements and and licks they were playing in harmonies they were singing, how much of it got stripped away and the final product is much more simple. Hmm. how less ended up being more over and over again um, and the other thing that was interesting was they were really mired, they were stuck, and then their old friend Billy Preston, brilliant keyboardist stopped by just to say hello after they'd been discussing, we really need somebody to play keyboards on the song his presence, his skill galvanized them they all didn't want to embarrass themselves and all of a sudden the energy that was missing returned they shook things up a little bit and everything was new again i thought that was interesting
3: apparently peter jackson said the filmmaker did a lot of that he would put tape over the little red light of the camera so they didn't know it was on at the time
2: that's Hmm. not cool is it except fifty years later it's like you know if you dig up a grave the next day you're a ghoul if you dig it up five hundred years from now you're an archaeologist (laughs) Ringo Starr right there.
0: Yeah, that's... How about...
3: There's more.
2: <laughs> with your hosts, Jack Armstrong
3: and Joe Getty. Thanks, Ringo. How about if you dig up the grave later that day when the ground's still soft? Jeez,
5: is that not what's cool? the
2: matter with you?
3: Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought
2: from everybody on the crew. There he is, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? I just want to take this time to
0: thank Jack for telling off the kids at the skate park that someday... You'll be gone, but you will not be as good as me. Right, at my age. Right, because I'm somebody that's hurt themselves just stretching, and so I appreciate you telling the kids that.
2: Mock me, I am your hero. Young (laughs) Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer, as a final thought. Alex?
3: Yeah, I'm ready for you in the X Games. You know, the elevator wasn't working, the coffee machine wasn't working, the copy machine wasn't working. If you need me, I'll be standing on the edge throwing electronics onto the freeway. Yeah, you know, my final thought is going to follow up on that. The reason everything's not working is because everything's tied together through Internet or whatever in the modern world. So the electricity goes off and nothing works. How is this better? Why is everything being tied together, the Internet of Everything, better? I've yet to see the result that points me in the direction of this is better. Jack, every capability is a vulnerability. You can print from any printer in the building. I just want to print from this one. That sounds like something uh,
2: out of a business book that sells like a million copies but doesn't really mean anything. Yep, exactly. I'm <laughs> ah, in mean, the long line of, long line of work. Damn. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four hour workday. So many people to thank. a so little time. Go to ArmstrongGetty.com. You got somebody tough to buy for on your
3: gift list. Go to ArmstrongGetty.com. Get some swag. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
2: Listen up, Jack Wagon. There's something happening out here. I want to hear this. Because I represent science. Um, Yet another sign we are approaching peak
0: stupid.
3: Oh, my God. I have no idea why you would do something like that.
0: Let's see that divine spark in each other, because it's there. I hate him. I hate him personally. Everybody takes a beating
2: sometimes, right? I've seen him on TV. He's been on Oprah. He helped a lady. She had hangnails all the time. he helped On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty